This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. I have an amazing job. I love the people I work with and the college environment is great, but more importantly, I get to do what I think is right, what I live for. My personal mission matches my profession. How fortunate am I that I get to go to work, do what I think is right, what makes me tick every day. I consider myself very fortunate, but of course it's been kind of a long journey, winding road if you will, asking questions, sometimes getting answers, but all the time followed by more questions. I guess it all started when I was about four years old. My folks moved me and my two sisters from Pennsylvania to southwest Florida, a small town called Punta Gorda on the Gulf Coast of Mexico. Maybe you're familiar with the Gulf of Mexico thanks to the infamous BP Deepwater Horizon disaster, a.k.a. oil spill. Right, but back then I didn't know anything about the Gulf of Mexico or oil for that matter. All I knew was I was moving someplace foreign, I was a little afraid, and I had some questions. What would Florida be like? Would I make friends? Would Santa even know where this place is if it doesn't snow? The town I would grow up in was suburban. It was a, a planned community, certainly safe and clean, and I can appreciate why my parents would move me there. Our house was on a lot with a man-made canal that had cement walls where barnacles and oysters would grow and small fish would hide in the crevices. And we had a dock with a boat, and her name was the J.P. Marley Kate, and we took amazing trips all across Florida on that boat. One summer, I would spend a lot of time on the dock trying to catch minnows and small fish for an abandoned blue heron chick that we found walking home from school one day. My sister and I found Harry in the thick of palms. Now, blue herons are kind of funny birds with their long legs and necks and pointed beaks and sideways glances. But as adolescents, they're even funnier, kind of lanky and clumsy, unable yet to hone their latent grace. And I loved Harry, but in our ignorance, we housed him in a metal crate that we'd use for our dog. So try as I might to catch his food off the dock and keep his water and his cage clean, I could do nothing for the fact that nature and this bird's instincts would eventually prevail. Maybe it was a lizard or something that was scurrying across, but whatever it was, it made Harry reach beyond the confines of his unnatural walls. That long, beautiful neck and point of beak were no match for the intricacies of my man-made cage. So I came home one day and I found Harry tangled in the bars, limp and dead. I didn't realize it at the time, but this was a formidable moment for me. This was my first exposure to Man V Wild. As much as we try to cage it and control it, we are not its master. We are a part of it. I don't think I was older than eight or nine at the time. And my folks are amazing people, not the most wilderness of type, you know, but they knew that their three little girls, tomboys really, needed to understand about life, love, nurture, and to some degree nature. So they openly allowed the heron experiment just as they allowed the cats, the dog, the hamsters, the lizards, less so the snake, but still the goldfish, the parakeets, the hermit crabs. For not being so into nature, we had a veritable zoo. And it was through this exposure to the, these natural uh, living beings and our trips on the, on the boat and fishing with my grandpa, going to the beach, exploring with my friends and my own personal escapes, that I was really starting to find a sense of place. Oh yeah, and Santa, he still found us. So as far as I knew, everything was just right in the world. So 11 years old and wide-eyed, I was excited to start sixth grade, junior high, have different classes and teachers and subjects. Mrs. Belikoff was our sixth grade science teacher. She was this really tall, beautiful woman with really, really long hair. 
Now, I'm fortunate to have many inspirational people in my life, but Mrs. Belikoff was certainly one of the first to set me on the path I am today. She taught us about plants and how they clean the air and provide us with the oxygen we need to breathe. She taught us about water cycles and the ecosystems and this thing called the web of life where all life on, on the planet is connected to it, including me. And she taught us about water conservation like this one time she told us that she would turn the water off while shampooing her hair. And I thought, man, with all that hair, that must save a whole lot of water. So I went home and I tried it myself that night and several nights thereafter. But now with short hair, I just take shorter showers, five minutes or less, saving water every day. And she taught us about endangered species and a special day where everyone is reminded to take care of the planet. It's called Earth Day. Wait a minute. I found myself asking some questions. Endangered what? Take care of the planet? I mean, weren't these things people were doing anyway? Why would we poison the water that we need to drink or pollute the land that the plants and animals need to live on? Then, March of 1989, the Exxon Valdez oil spill filled the evening news with images of black, gooey stuff mixing with water, coating animals and birds. Some looked like hairy. I can still remember the images of those people's faces trying to save those poisoned animals, stricken with horror and grief. Right, that oil stuff. So after that, Mrs. Belikoff organized this huge Earth Day event downtown. We made posters and filled a mile-long bridge holding hands, waving our banners of proclamations at drivers and passers-by. Give a hoot, don't pollute, save water, honk if you love Mother Earth. It was so exciting to feel like I was a part of something that was going to make a positive change. It was the first of many that I'd find myself jumping up and down, trying to get the attention of the world to a call to action, to a question, really. Won't you help me save the planet? Of course, in my 11 years of infinite wisdom, I wasn't quite as sure how I am today, how we could continue to live fun and fruitful lives while being mindful of the planet's resources and the other people living here, too. It was around this time that I started to learn about social justice issues, too. I would beg my parents to stay up with them and watch the evening news. I know that sounds crazy, but really, I just wanted to stay up past my bedtime and hang out with them, too. But watching the evening news, I learned about things like famine and drought and poverty and illness. Like, I learned about the Ray brothers, who in 1987 lived in a town really close to mine. Three little boys, the, old, the oldest one born the same year as me, only these boys were sick. They were hemophiliacs, and they had HIV because of blood transfusions. We didn't know much about AIDS back then. A lot of people lived in fear of it, some to the extreme, thinking anybody with the disease shouldn't be allowed to come in contact with the general public. And in this town, those boys and their parents were exiled. They weren't allowed to go to school. People feared them. They'd hurry away at the sight of them. Some people threatened them. Eventually, this town became so gripped with panic and fear, someone burnt the Ray brothers' home down. And I remember thinking, man, that's so unfair to treat them this way. Just because we feared them, we didn't understand them. They were sick. They were less fortunate. And I would ask my parents, don't they deserve the right to go to school and have a safe place to live and play like me? Jumping up and down, I would ask them, please, why can't everyone be treated fairly? Why do some people have food and others don't? Why are there poor people? Why are people sick? 
While I understand that the Ray Brothers tragedy was not because of some kind of chemical pollution in the world, I get that, but they were victims of social injustices and these communities that are gripped with inequalities, the haves, the have-nots, they tend to allow this kind of social pollution, this fear, this hatred, this nimbyism to pervade. NIMBY, of course, stands for not in my backyard. So again, a formidable moment for me, but this time instilling in me a sense of community and awareness of social injustices and my desire to seek out equity and fairness. But it would still be a while for me to figure out how this could be a career focus or a life mission for that matter. I mean, heck, I was still just a kid and I had plenty of questions. So at age 17, I graduated high school and I moved away from home with my older sister. We moved to Gainesville. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do yet, so I enrolled in the community college there. And I guess I needed to explore a bit. So in and out of semesters over the course of about seven years, I finally graduated with my AA from Santa Fe Community College with honors all along the way meeting exciting and awesome professors who would introduce me to a world of different topics and disciplines. And much like my academic career, I guess I needed to wander a bit professionally too. So I dabbled in environmental education and I worked with social justice programs. I even interned as a sixth grade science teacher and I worked with at-risk youth, all perforated by working with my dad for the family business or sometimes just waiting tables, just trying to find my place. So I wandered a bit, but that's okay. Life is a winding road and all along the way I would be asking questions and I would always come back to this idea that environmental and social responsibility were passions of mine. So, in 2004, I was back home working as a naturalist for the Charlotte Harbor Environmental Center. It was a great place to work, and the people I worked with were amazing. And every day was a new adventure, hiking in the woods or leading tours on the river. It was my job to help instill in people who visited this place a deeper appreciation for the wild side of Southwest Florida, like I had developed so long ago. But then... Friday the 13th, August 2004, almost a year to the date before Hurricane Katrina wiped out New Orleans, Hurricane Charlie wiped out my little town. And it eventually built back, but before then I had had it with those kinds of storms. I needed a change. So I enrolled in an academic program, and almost a year to that date, August 2005, I graduated with my bachelor's degree, and I was ready, packed up a moving truck, put my two dogs, my cat, and my turtle in it, off to the Windy City, Chicago, here I come, what the hell, let's try blizzards. <laughs> right, so I didn't have a job, but I did have a place to live, and my best friends lived here, and I figured everything was going to be all right. And eventually it was. I found a job that got me introduced to the green scene in Chicago, and I started to learn a lot. I was learning more about climate change, like the fact that the scientific community has been warning about it since the 1950s, for real. And I learned about social issues, like this thing called food deserts in the city. And I learned about a new concept, new to me anyway, called sustainability. First coined in a document in 1987, the document is commonly called the Brentland Commission. These people writing the document were trying to address some of the world's most pressing issues. And they started to understand that the environment and development are linked to political and societal goals and economic progress. They said that in order to solve the world's most pressing issues, what's going to take this new framework, a framework of sustainable development, and they define sustainable development as that development that meets the needs of today without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And it further defined needs as those in their social, environmental, and economic resources. 
Now this term sustainable development is commonly known as sustainability. This concept, this is it. This is what I've been seeking. This addresses those questions I had from years before. This new concept asks questions about how to create a balance of equity and fairness and doing right by one another and the planet's resources. This concept asks, asks questions about you and me and our moms and dads and brothers and sisters and those people over there and them over there and your pet dog and the giraffe in Africa and the, and the narwhal in the Arctic and how we're all connected. And it asks questions about that iPhone you're fiddling with and how much, who made that and how much did you have to pay to, how much did you have to work to buy it? Asks questions about your drinking water and does a company have access to dump their waste in it or your little sister and her asthma problems because of poor air quality or about the fact that we have deep, immense inequities in economy, health and wellness, access to food and clean drinking water. And it asks about the fact that today's generation, the youth of the developed world for the first time in recorded history, are predicted to have shorter lifespans than their parents. What? Wait a minute. Why? Big question here, right? While I was learning ever more, we lack healthy communities. We have unhealthy economies, those that thrive on non-renewable resources, depleting precious natural goods at rates we can hardly, if ever, replenish, all while taking advantage of people. And this seems pretty bleak, I know. Hey, hey, is everyone listening? Again, I find myself jumping up and down, trying to ask some questions, trying to figure it out. What can be done? What can I do? So at my previous employer, like I said, I was learning quite a bit. It was challenging me in my own personal lifestyle as before I tried to recycle, treat people fairly, of course, and continued to save water, taking short showers, you know. But with this idea, this connection of understanding about poor economic practices leading to social disparities and environmental degradation and this concept of sustainability and how it could address this and try to fix this, I was really starting to define my purpose. But then, unfortunately, or maybe just fortunately for me anyway, the economy crashed, and there I was, without a job. I found myself asking some more questions. So what do I want to do? Where should I apply? Like I said, I'd started to really connect personally to this mission of environmental and social responsibility. I knew those were messages that I needed to bring forward personally, but could I find a profession, a job, that would help me do that too? Well, I did, and I'm here today at Moraine Valley standing before you, a resource, not an expert, but a tool to help you understand what is sustainability and help you ask questions. So if you want to know about climate change and how it's going to affect you, do you want to know about water scarcity? Are you thinking about what are local foods and how can I get them? What's the clean economy? Maybe you're thinking about getting a green job. Do you want to know why sustainability is not only important but imperative to your success, your health, and your future? and let's ask those questions together. So here I go again, a bunch more questions, only this time founded on more knowledge, experience, urgency, and excitement than ever before. Because I understand that by applying the principles of synergy, we can see this big Earth, this planet Earth, this big star we call home and everything on it. We can see how it's connected. And now I recognize that in order to solve the world's most pressing issues here and across the land, it's going to take this new framework of interconnectedness. Remember Mrs. Belikoff and the Web of Life? Man, she had it all straight back then. 
Just like the web of life is inter intricately interconnected, so too are our environmental and social issues. And it's time that we all stand up and find ways to sustain this web of life for everyone's fair and equitable prosperity today, as well as the seven generations ahead of us. But how? I believe it's through educating for sustainable development, not just in my backyard, but in yours and theirs and across the land. So you remember I started by saying that I get to do what my job, my job is, my life mission. I get to do what I, what I live for as my profession. And I shared with you this kind of winding road filled with questions, sometimes getting answers. Whereas before I felt like I was maybe lost in the big picture, I think I finally got it figured out. Not all the answers to the universe, of course, but at least how to live a better life today without compromising others to live good lives tomorrow. So I love when I get asked a question. What do you do? Me? Well, I live my life walking a very special walk, and I work tirelessly talking a very important talk, sustainability so that I can illustrate the necessary connections to create a balance between environmental, environmental, healthy environments and healthy societies simultaneously, so that, like Mrs. Belikoff and all of my explorations before have done for me, that I inspire others to join me in an effort to create this necessary sustainable future. So in my journey of asking questions, I have learned quite a lot. Sometimes I don't think it's enough. Other times it's overwhelmingly exciting. All along the way, I've met fabulous people working on this huge topic of sustainability, and the journey is always much more fun and fruitful when others come along. So today, as I close and I look down the path of sustainability, I only have one more but very important question. Will you join me? Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.